Coming up on episode 204 of Wheel Bearings, we talk about the Volkswagen ID4 First Edition, the 2022 Volkswagen Taos, the 2022 Honda Civic sedan, and in the news, we cover the Peugeot 9X8 Le Mans hypercar, Remos taking over control of Bugatti, Stellantis's EV Day, a little more discussion about BMW's new EVs, the i4 and the iX, and we answer some listener questions. All coming up next. Did you know you can support Wheelbearings directly? Head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia and you can become a patron today. Your contributions will help fund the platforms and tools we use to bring the podcast to you. And exclusives and improvements are already on the way thanks to your generosity. So if you want to be part of an automotive podcast like no other, head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia. This is episode 204 of Wheel Bearings. I'm Sam Abual Sandwich from Guidehouse Insights. I am Nicole Wakelin, and this week we'll go with uh, Kelly Blue Book. I am Roberto Baldwin, and let's say Engadget. All right. So, what? Uh, let's start with you, Robbie. What have you been driving this week? So this I actually didn't drive this this week. I drove this a few weeks ago, and I haven't talked about it. I haven't had a chance to put my video up, but the uh, the new Volkswagen Taos, the 2022 uh, Volkswagen, it is their entry level vehicle. It essentially, um, I guess, it sort of replaces the Golf uh, TSI. You know, you can only get the GTI and the Type R Golf here in the United States anymore. So I drove this uh, on a drive program a few weeks ago. And I will, what's what's nice about this vehicle is that it starts at about 23, 20, well, with destination, et cetera, et cetera, $24,000 for a nice Volkswagen subcompact or compact, not subcompact SUV. And so it's an entry level vehicle, which I don't think there are enough of right now out in the world. And entry level vehicles or like first cars like this, um, they're, they're hugely important, I think, for, for a lot of people uh, because if you're young and this is your first new car, like this is the car you might have the longest out of all your cars. My first car, well, my second car was the longest I had, which was my first car was a 69 Datsun 2000 Roadster. And then I bought a, a 90 Honda Civic because I wanted to actually be able to, to get to my destinations that were further <laughs> than 10 miles from my house. Uh, the Roadster was great. But I wanted to go places. Um, but I had that Honda for 15 years. I had other cars, and I kept that Honda because it was my first entry-level car. And you make so many memories in these vehicles. These are sort of like you live and you work and you do schoolwork in these things. And it's 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 sort of insane how expensive cars have gotten that we don't have more sort of inexpensive, good cars. And I feel like the Volkswagen Taos is an inexpensive, uh, good car. Um, I drove it around, you know, I only drove it for the day, uh, but yeah, it was, it was comfortable. You could, you know, you could do it for long drives. You could, you know, it has enough space for you and your friends. You can throw your stuff in the back and whether you're, you know, this is your first new car or you need a second car or you're buying a car for your kid. A lot of people want to buy a car for their, their kid, um, going off to college or maybe they're in high school. And as you know, cars get more and more safe they get safer as time progresses. They feel a little iffy about buying a used car. I mean, the Taos, it's a its a great entry-level little vehicle, and I really enjoyed it, and I like, I, I, I do wish there were more options for folks out there 
who need uh, something that doesn't cost the median price of what is it now? Forty thousand dollars. It was thirty-five, and now it's gone up to. 40. It's about forty, yeah. And and actually, last week when the automakers released their uh, their June sales reports in Ford's sales report, they actually touted the fact that in June their average transaction price was over forty-seven thousand dollars. Wow, forty-seven thousand know, dollars. And, and you know, part of that is because they they, you know, part of that's because they've discontinued all their affordable cars say they got rid of everything that like a kid would buy like all the kids all the all the yeah just graduated college cars are gone yeah the cheapest thing they have right now is the escape uh you know which starts around 24 or 25 thousand dollars you know and goes up from there you know until the 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 maverick shows up later this fall you know that that's going to start at 20 grand you know they're going to have these elevated prices because there's just nothing affordable from ford yeah. Yeah, I think there's there there is this this sort of this dead zone right now and 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 in the entry level world where they, you know you you have very few options and there's a ton of like, you know, 30s, you know, and up vehicles and that's why the the median price is is sort of gone crazy high, but you know, a lot of people are still trying to find work after, you know, post COVID. Um, you know, and, and not everyone can afford, I mean, I, it's hard for me to wrap my head around buying something that's going to be $35,000 and I make, you know, my wife and I do pretty well. We do live in the Bay area. So you have to like, sort of like, you know, adjust your, like, so after your, after your housing costs go yeah, up, after, you know, you're basically living in poverty. Yeah. After like, if we lived anywhere else in the United States, we'd be, we'd be like, you know, doing great, but we live in the Bay area. So, you know, the cost of living is, is higher. Um, but we get paid, you know. Bay Area money, so it kind of even, it sort of evens out, almost sort of, kind of maybe. Um, but yeah, it's it's really difficult to, for I think for for a lot of people to look and say, okay, I want to get a new car, and then you know then they get sucked into these five year lease, you know, five year you know payment plans, which is you know, gosh, that's that's insane unless you can get it like zero API, and even then you're fighting against the you know the the depreciation. You're like, well, I hope that like what I'm paying. Like doesn't you know I'm not underwater on a car, which is sort of crazy, <laughs> but yeah, well I mean especially you know if something happens to it, you know if you get in a crash or it gets stolen or something, you know and suddenly you know you find that you owe more on the car than it's worth and you know the insurance company is only going to give you what its market value is. Uh, yeah, although I mean, right now probably okay because the market value of used cars has gone up so much <laughs> for for, yeah. for the time for right now for a little while at least you're okay for, for right now unless you own a 2004 uh jaguar x-type i i looked the carvana price because someone had talked to me about their <laughs> carvana was giving them like a couple like more money than they, they anticipated so i i threw the car our jaguar x-type our free car on Carvana, and they offered me two hundred and I think seventy dollars. <laughs> 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 so, if you're looking for a cheap car, the Jaguar X-Type, a 2004, well, just the Jaguar X-Type is uh, <laughs> is out there if you can find one, and you don't mind all the all the check engine lights being on, you know, all the time. We just got a better offer on the car we just traded now that was probably about four thousand dollars more than what we had gotten. Were offered for it three, four years ago and three, four years ago, way less mileage and way less things that were wrong with it. I'm like, I don't, I don't know how this exactly worked, but okay, sure. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's, it's, I'm sorry, go on, Sam. I was going to say last night I was, I was talking to uh, my friend that I I bought my Miata from four years ago 
And he said, whatever you do, don't sell that car because he's been looking for another one to buy. And, you know, he couldn't, I think the cheapest one that he's found, you know, that's relatively low mileage, you know, or, you know, first or second generation Miata is like twelve or $13,000, which is substantially more than I paid him for that 1990, uh, four years ago. So, um, so I got a question for you. You know, we, yeah. we've had, um, you know, over the last year, a couple of years, we've had several of these entry level crossovers come into the marketplace, the Nissan kicks, the Hyundai venue, there's a couple others out there, you know, and they typically start, you know, around 19, $20,000. Yeah. Um, I, I think the kicks still starts at about 19 is, you know, this one, you know, 24 with delivery. Is that, you know, is it like three, four thousand dollars more? Do you think it's worth that much more than those vehicles? I like the Kicks a lot, and I like the venue. I think the Nissan Kicks is probably the best car that Nissan's building right now. <laughs> even even with the, yeah, the I before agree. before the refresh, where the the door panel inside was just like a, almost a flat piece of plastic. <laughs> You know, yeah. it's just like this flat, like, just shape. They're like, we need something to cover the innards of the door, shape, <laughs> hole for the handle. Um, uh, I, I do think it's, it is, uh, it, it does feel a bit more solid than the kicks and the venue. Well, it does feel more solid than the kicks. Um, the venue, that might be a toss up. I, I, I'm trying to remember when I drove the, the, the venue. It's, you know, Hyundai's been, you know, Hyundai's inexpensive vehicles are still, you know, they're doing a great job. They're top notch. Um, so I think, the, you know, I think if you were looking for an inexpensive car, those are the three you would, you should, you should check out for, you know, because everyone wants a compact SUV. Um, I mean, the reality is that you should look at golfs and, and, and actual cars for me, but I, I understand the market. and understand what people want and people, you know, if you're looking for an entry level car, I would, I would drive all three. I think the Golf's uh, premium price tag is uh, warranted for the most part. I think it feels a bit more solid. Um, it, you know, it, it, it feels a bit more like a car that's worth that extra that extra cash. Um, but at the end of the day, that's really on the individual. And um, yeah, I, w- I would try all three and see what your budget allows. If you if you are really sort of if it's tough, it's a tough call. I don't think the. Yeah, I think you're going to be fine with the kicks of the venue. I think you're going to be um, happy with without spending that extra money. If you do have the extra money, you know the golf might, you know stepping up to the golf might be pretty cool. You mean the Taos? I'm sorry, the Taos, not the golf. I'm sorry, I yeah. got golf on the brain. What? <laughs> the okay. Taos. What? A, what? A, how? For a different comparison, what about the Mazda CX-30, which starts at twenty-two thousand, so with delivery twenty-three thousand, so it's about a thousand dollars less base price than the Taos. I, I mean, haven't driven the do, CX-30. Do you think yet. it? But oh, but okay. but based on Mazda's you know track record, oof, that's a toughie, uh, because I feel like the the Mazda's probably going to be a bit more fun to drive. Um, so I think mm-hmm. if you're, if you're a driving enthusiast, as opposed to a person who just drives to get, you know, who just needs a car to get from point A to point B, the Mazda is probably going to be the better, uh, the better choice. Um, if you like a touchscreen versus that weird thing that Mazda has, then. <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously for Nicole, this, the Mazda would be a right, non-starter. Right, exactly. I, I think it wouldn't even be under consideration. <laughs> and I think, I think <laughs> Mazda's like, Hey, we're not using the touchscreen is, is, is. 
in theory a good idea but i think at the end of the day most people are still plugging in their phones and their phone you know if they're using carplay or android auto it's kind of a pain in the ass to use those those systems without an actual touchscreen because it's actually taking your eyes off the road more because now you're like sort of like trying to navigate and figure out like where is the where is the little selector going to go next as i try to like pick a song or, or as opposed to just like okay i know yeah. if i just stab in this general direction <laughs> it's gonna be okay and I, I i definitely do not think touchscreens are the end all bees knees because a lot of times i sort of have to put my hand on top of the screen and then tap with like my thumb if the to, road's to brace it or, yeah yeah to sort of brace it so my hand isn't bouncing all over the place and i'm hitting all the wrong buttons in order just to to do something and you know they should be augmented with you know next song and volume control and everything else should be a actual physical button but i'll, I'll stop on that sort of weird tirade um yeah okay. if you're if you're a driver driver if you're i, I mazda is probably going to be the better option if you're if you're looking for uh something that's 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 a bit more you know you you you, you can't live without you know google maps ways um except apple maps for some whatever weird reason if you can't live without those maybe the the volkswagen will probably be a better a better match for you Okay. All righty. What about you, Nicole? What have you been driving? I am driving the all-new 2022 Honda Civic Sedan um, in the strangest color. Okay, you guys both have to look up this color because it's the weirdest color. It's called Lunar Silver. And it basically is like this super weird pale blue thing that everybody who's seen it is like, what's that color? Like, I don't know why. It's It's not... It feels like a car color my grandma would drive. I don't like it. But aside from the very weird color that does nothing for the car, <laughs> move on to more important stuff. But don't get lunar silver. It's not an attractive color. Um, it's it's great. I mean, it's a Honda. It has that quality interior. It's never overly fancy and overly done. It just has exactly what it needs to be comfortable and useful. I have the Touring, which is their top trim. Um, and it also comes with the... 1.5 liter turbocharged turbo blah, 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 engine. That's 180 horsepower and it has a CVT. Uh, it's more than enough to get this moving. I mean, it's easy to accelerate on the highway. Uh, you never feel like it's struggling to keep up and it's really quiet. I, I, CVTs, you know, they still can produce a noisy ride, especially when you're heavy on the accelerator. This was not. And it also handled really well. And it, although it's not wintertime so you can't see what it's going to do when the snow falls we've had some torrential rain here lately and i made the mistake of planning to go out to dinner just as we got like hunker down tornadoes wind rain floods don't go out and i'm like well that doesn't help me halfway to dinner and it was dumping and there was just <laughs> water everywhere really heavy rain buffeting the car and wind and it handled beautifully i was actually really impressed it was a point where i thought to myself okay if it was snowing I would feel pretty confident driving this car. I felt like it handled really well. It's plenty roomy. I mean, my husband is 6'3". Um, he pushes the seat back, so normally only someone who's exceptionally small can sit behind him. But no, you can still sit behind him in this and not feel like your knees are are you know squished up against the back of the seat. Uh, it has a good-sized trunk, and it has good features. Uh, there's not a lot to complain about other than the color. Um, and it comes with good standard safety. It, you know, it, it, this one has like leather seats and a Bose audio system. It has a nine inch color touch screen. Thank you, Honda, um, that I liked. <laughs> <laughs> 
so I mean, overall, and a volume knob. And a volume knob, yes, it has a volume knob. So overall, I, I, it's a good offering. I mean, this is what I think the eleventh generation of the Civic sedan. So it's been around for a while, and it's seen a lot of changes over the years. And I feel like they continue to iterate it. They they make improvements. It's nothing dramatic. It's not like you suddenly get into the Civic and think, "Oh my gosh, holy new vehicle!" I'd never know. You know, this was the Civic. It's completely changed. It just moves it forward in a good and sort of predictable, but a good way. Um, you know, adding a little bit of features, adding a little bit of style, adding a little bit of everything. Uh, and it's not the pricing you were talking about pricing on cars now this this is the top civic trim that you can get and it comes in at twenty eight thousand three hundred dollars so you know it's not exactly affordable it's not cheap but it's also not crazy expensive and if you wanted to forgo you know leather seats and some of the fancy you can get it for a good chunk less i think the base models you'll, you'll probably save a good you know couple of thousand dollars so depending on what you're going to buy you can get into an affordable comfortable spacious sedan that's not going to break the bank so if someone's looking for a sedan talking about first-time buyers the civic is not a bad choice yeah i mean we we have a, a 2017 Civic, so that's the previous generation. And, you know, this one, you know, looking particularly looking at the interior, it does look a little more upscale than ours. Mm-hmm. You know, and th- that base price on the LX, you know, 21.7, so 22.7, you know, with delivery, um, you know, it, I think it is, it's certainly, you know, it's more affordable than the Taos, you know, starting point. And, um, you know, Honda, uh, I think last year or the year before, they made, the their Honda sensing package with all the ADAS stuff standard equipment uh so you get you know even on the the base base um you know version of the Civic you get radar adaptive cruise control lane keeping assist and um you know uh also uh, blind spot monitoring so i think that that's you know having all that stuff on there you know even at that base price i think is is a pretty good value it does make it a value you know having just I just got a new car and one of the things I thought I was going to be paying more for my insurance, our old car was a 2015 and my insurance dropped significantly. And I'm like, how did my insurance, I actually, I'm like, what was it? She's like, it's because there's so much standard safety on the car you just bought compared to the car you had. It actually brought down like, it's like 40 bucks a month that it brought down my insurance costs. It wasn't insignificant because I had that moment of like, wait, 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 what? are you sure we got this right? But she's like, no, it's because of the safety. And it's not like we were driving a car with nothing before, but just that change from what you think was available four or five years ago standard, there wasn't a heck of a lot. What's standard now, that's a big difference. And it's enough to you know save you a few bucks and help make your insurance a bit more affordable too. And you don't have to pay extra to get those things you mentioned, Sam. It's, it's going to be there whether you decide to go with the top trim or the very bottom, you're going to get that safety. It's, yeah, I've, I've no, owned... I think that's... I've owned two Honda Civics, um, a 90 and a 94, and uh, both of them were virtually, uh, not even virtually, essentially bulletproof. You could do anything to those things. And whenever you get into a Honda, as soon as you're just closing the door, you're like, oh, yeah, this is Honda quality. This is this is what you're at. So I feel like that, that money spent on that Civic, even the, the trim level, you're probably going to be like, Okay, this is this is going to be this is going to be a while uh, around for a while, and yeah, the, adding the 
the the sensing the Honda sensing as as standard. I think everyone adding more and more of these things as standard is is, is so incredibly important. I mean, it's nice when you have adaptive cruise control when you're stuck in traffic, um, but it's 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 nicer when you have the you know auto stopping when you're about to smash into somebody or, or whatnot. And, um, that's that that's I mean, those are those are huge huge safety gains for for a lot of people. Yeah, and there is what you're saying about like shutting the door and you, you're like, okay, this is a Honda. There is a solidity to this. You know, it's a small, it's a compact car. It's a sedan. It's not a huge vehicle. And sometimes like when you're talking about the kicks and the door on the inside of the kicks, you know, the door trim, it had that really like, <laughs> oh, good Lord. Like it felt, it felt, <laughs> it felt its price, let's say. It felt yes. cheap. It felt like you were trying to save money. This doesn't feel cheap. It doesn't, you know, it, like I said, 28 grand. It's not an outrageously priced vehicle, but it feels solid. It feels secure. It's got a nice quiet ride. You don't get that sense at all that like, okay, I'm in some kind of cheapo compact car that I'm just driving because I want great fuel economy. No, you get the sense that you bought something that's quality that's going to be around for a while. We had... Uh, we've had two Civics, both of them when there was a Civic hybrid, and it was when gas prices were just outrageous. And they both were driving perfectly fine when we decided to turn them in. It wasn't, and we had two kids who beat up the car like you wouldn't believe. They are hardened interiors. Uh, they drove a wheelbarrow into the outside of it at one point, but nope, car's <laughs> like, that's fine. I have a big dent in my door now, but I am ready. Like it just, they just keep going and they don't start to feel their age. Like they really hold up really well. So if, you know, if you want to get a car and you want to hold on to it, go get yourself a Honda. You're going to have it until you're just sick of it. <laughs> until you're like, well, I want something different. I just want something different. I can't drive this well, anymore. That, that's what, that's what I'm hoping for. I'm, I'm hoping my, you know, that my wife doesn't get sick of it for a long time. So I don't have to make any more car payments for a while. <laughs> you know, she, so far it's doing great. You know, Good. four years, a little over four years and, it's doing cool. great, so can't complain. And and you know, I actually I did my driver's ed in a Honda Civic back you know back in the early '80s in the '81 Civic with a oh, four-speed manual, a little hatchback. Yeah, it was great. Nice. I, I love little, those. It was tiny little car. It's so small. My, I, 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 I love those. I, I, I'm, I feel like I'm a, a Honda fanboy, even though I don't own a Honda at this point. Those old, especially the old ones, they were like little weird little, little, little golf carts. Like it was just like with these fun little transmissions. And I would just, yeah, my dad brought my, my sister and brother, uh, an early eighties Honda Accord, which was just slightly bigger than the Civic and they they didn't want to work on it they didn't want to do anything with it it just needed a starter so every once in a while my dad would ask me to drive it around you know start start it up drive it around and just keep the battery charged and I absolutely adored that car and my sister and brother you know you're in high school they wanted to be cool and it was the 90s and an early 80s Honda Civic or Honda Accord wasn't cool <laughs> but man I, I sort of I, I I'm sort of sad the day my dad sold that thing <laughs> We had a, we had a, and I didn't think of it until you guys started talking. We've had two Civics. We had a CRV back in the day and we had, and I know this car was like, they didn't even last very long, but we had a Honda Element. We oh. loved that thing. Oh yeah. That was brilliant when you had kids because the doors opened in such a way that you could always get to them in the yeah, back. The, the rear hinged half doors. Oh my gosh. You could sit in the back and you could like sit there and use that space. And when kids made a mess, as kids do, you're like, break out the hose. Whoosh. 
I loved that thing. They market it like they marketed it sort of towards like, you know, this is for the outdoorsy type who's going to put a bike in the back. I'm like, oh, heck no. This is for the parents who have kids who drop food and get sick and make a mess and have snow and all sorts of junk on their boots. Oh, man, I loved that car. We only traded it because the fuel economy was atrocious. And that's when we got the hybrid Civic instead. Yeah, yeah, they're 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 sort of my brother still owns one. And um, he has told I have made him promise me that uh, if he ever sells it, I get rights of first refusal. That's a good promise. Absolutely. And there's one on my block, like like across the street and two houses down, they have an element. And I'm just waiting for them to put it on sale because it's the perfect like you could throw the like we have the dogs. I have my bands. I have like, you know, all my art projects that I'm working on. I have to go to Home Depot and get mulch, of course. Does everything. All that. (laughs) I'm not. My friend, her sister sold hers because it was gutless. And I'm like, that's not what that's about. (laughs) No, that's not why you bought the element. I wish they still had an element. I yeah. love that. You know, if it's gutless, you know, you just, you just go find a, a used VTAC engine and drop it in there. There you and, go. You yeah, know. then those are like super cheap, at least at, at the time. I haven't looked. I haven't I haven't researched VTAC engines in a while, but um, I, I remember you could just buy them for like 400 bucks and we'd swap them over the weekend. <laughs> it, was in, it was nuts. Crazy times. Yeah. All right. Well, I too had a uh, a Volkswagen crossover. Uh, actually, I still have it because the it was supposed this was supposed to be picked up two days ago, but the Genesis GV80 that was, that they were bringing to me on Tuesday um, got a flat tire on the way here, and they had to take it back to the uh, back to the shop. And they've been waiting to get a new tire, and I still haven't heard back from Drive Shop wow. about when when I'm going to get it. Um, so anyway, um, I've got the the Volkswagen ID4. Um, which is the first of VW's purpose-built EVs for the North American market. They launched the ID3 uh, last September, I think, in Europe. Uh, and then uh, late in the year, they launched the ID4, which is basically the same vehicle, but slightly taller, uh, slightly you know more crossover-ish looking. Although I had it parked, I've got it parked right now next to uh, a 2015 Kia Rio in the driveway. And it actually doesn't look much bigger than the Kia on the Uh-oh. outside, but on the inside, I mean, it feels huge uh, because you've got that flat floor. You know, it's an EV. You know, uh, you know I'm five eleven, and if I get you know seat where I want and, and get in this behind me, uh, you know, I have like several inches of knee clearance in the back. So I mean, there's there's a lot of room in this thing. Um, you know, overall, it you know, it's. It's really good to drive. I mean, it drives like a Volkswagen, which is what you expect, and and even more so in most respects because um, the the default for VW's MEB electric platform is rear wheel drive, so rear motor, um, and then they're going to have dual motor, all wheel drive versions as well. But they they haven't launched that yet for the ID4. Uh, this one that I've got is the first edition, which is now sold out, um, and. Uh, it it goes for for forty four grand and ba- the main distinction between the first edition and the the other ones is the the white steering wheel and instrument pod and and bezel around the center uh, display, but uh, you know, other than that you know it's basically the, the same it's it's you know fairly loaded, um, it you know because it's only a single motor it's only two hundred and one horsepower, um, and you know, it's a fairly hefty vehicle, actually. Even with you know a single motor rear drive configuration, it's it's almost forty five hundred pounds, which mm-hmm. for a vehicle that's you know got a comparatively compact footprint seems like a lot. Um, and 
you know, compared to some other crossovers of similar size, it, it's quite a bit heavier. Uh, but, um, you know, the, the torque, the instant torque of the electric motor makes up for a lot of that. It doesn't, it doesn't feel nearly as quick as something like the Polestar 2, which has two motors and twice the power. Uh, but, you know, it's still, it's still quite more than acceptable. You know, have got really good drivability. The only real complaint I have about the driving dynamics is the, the steering doesn't really have any feedback. It feels kind of dead. Although the, the effort is fine, it just doesn't really give you any feedback when you're going around corners. But um, it, it's, you know, it's, it's roomy, it's great to drive. Um, I like the way it looks. Um, you know, I like the, the new design language that VW is applying to their EVs uh, with the, the, the signature lighting they've got on the ID3 and the ID4 and it's going to be on some, you know, the other ones they've got coming out. Um, and I like, you know, the, this one is the, the blue with the, the silver trim around the, the greenhouse, you know, which is, I think it's, it's, a, it's a nice two-tone combination. Um, it's got the, the full glass roof, uh, which is, is, you know, I'd prefer to drive, you know, with the sunroof open if it, if it had one, but it's, you know, it's fixed in place. But that's fine. Um, the, the, main, the, the two main complaints with this thing, um, you know, there's, first of all, there's no front trunk. Um, it, and that's, I think you can make the case for it in the case of the MEB, because when you look at the proportions, it's got a very short front end. They move the wind, base of the windshield forward. And even though there's no engine in there, it's a fairly short front end and they pack in all the, the, uh, climate control and the power electronics and, and other stuff in there. So there's not really room in there for storage. Um, but you know, there is an extra, uh, like deep little storage area in the back under the rear cargo area where you can throw the, the charging cable. Um, so I can get by without the the, this, uh, the front trunk because there's a, a big cargo area in the back. Um, the, the other main complaint about this thing is the infotainment system and primarily the, the software performance of the infotainment system. The, the user interface is fine. Uh, you know, it's fairly standard modern user interface you know grid of eight icons and it's a good size screen it's a thing it's a 10 inch screen um you know so nice big touch targets fairly easy to hit um although even you know when you're driving on bumpy roads you know same thing as you were talking about robbie earlier you know trying to hit, hit the touch targets trying to brace <laughs> you know brace my hand you know to hit the touch targets but you know that's you know that is what it is um but the responsiveness of the system is not great you know, it so, sometimes it's fine, and that's the thing is it's inconsistent. You know, sometimes it responds fine. A lot of the time, it's kind of sluggish. Um, sometimes it does some weird things, like there, there's no volume knob. There's there's capacitive controls for the to get into the climate control and the volume and the, adjust the temperatures. And the the volume control is centered just centered just below the screen. And, you know, there's basically two areas where you tap one, you know, on the right to raise the volume, on the left to lower the volume. Every once in a while, it will randomly, you know, when I go to change the volume, instead of bringing up the audio volume, it brings up the voice operation volume, which I'm not even sure what that is. <laughs> um, you know, and so I'm trying to change the volume, and it's just not responding properly. Um, and it also takes quite a long time to boot up when you first get in the car. You know, to, to get to a point where you can actually do anything with the screen takes a while. Um, so, you know, VW does have um, uh, over-the-air software update capability for this thing. 
and they just put out a release a couple of days ago, actually, that they're going to start pushing out OTA updates to mm-hmm. the ID vehicles, starting with uh, vehicles in Europe. And so hopefully they'll have some updates to the, the infotainment software soon um, that improve the performance and the reliability of it. Uh, it did like kind of hang up completely on me a couple of times where it just didn't respond to anything at all. Um, but, uh, you know, aside from that, you know, the rest of the, the driving experience was good. You know, I, I did, I drove around for several days. You know, when I first got it, it was, I got it fully charged up, drove it for several days, drove about 230 miles, um, and still had 25 miles of range left showing uh, before I went to the EA station and charged it up. And, you know, got from, um, from like 7% state of charge to 85% in about 30 minutes. Um, so, you know, it's, it's rated 120, uh, 125, I think 125 kilowatts charging capability. It was doing like 123, 124 until it got to about 40 or 50% and then started tapering off. Um, so you can charge it fairly quickly. It does have support for plug and charge. Um, when I went to the EA station, the first charger I plugged it into, it refused to authenticate. So I moved over to the one next to it, plugged it in, <laughs> boom, worked fine. Um, you know, it, it authenticated, just started charging. I didn't have to tap, you know, do any anything with the credit cards or anything. VW is giving you three years of free DC fast charging, uh, with the ID4. Um, and th- now that the, the first editions are sold out, they're selling the ID4 Pro, uh, as the first regular model, those are starting at forty thousand uh, dollars, and then you get the seventy-five hundred dollar tax credit on that. And I think there's supposed to be a, a shorter range, smaller battery version coming later on, as well as a t- dual motor, all-wheel drive version. So you'll probably have options between with sticker prices between about thirty-five thousand and forty-five thousand um, dollars by probably the first part of the next year. Um, so. Overall, I, I like it. You know, I just you know, hopefully they'll do something soon about the software. Um, and pri- I guess prior to the launch of the ID3, the launch was actually delayed for several months last year in Europe, um, and it, apparently it was primarily because of software issues. And VW is doing a lot of this stuff in house, which a lot of automakers are starting to do. And I think they still have some learning to do about developing a lot of the software <laughs> in house. There's there's still a lot of challenges. Um, but you know, if you're, if you're looking for, uh, an EV, um, you know, this is one I would definitely take a look at. Although, um, you know, if you can wait, you know, a few more months, you might also want to hold off and, and look at the Hyundai Ionic 5, which I don't think any of us have tried yet, but you know, it's a similar sized vehicle. Um, and it potentially has some advantages over this one. Um, like even faster charging, it's got 350 kilowatt charging capability. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, a little bit different styling direction for that one. Uh, so there's, there's a lot more options coming, but if, you know, if you're looking for an EV right now, if you can find an ID4 at a Volkswagen dealer, which I haven't looked at, a, at the VW dealer yet to see what their inventories are like, but if it's anything like other automakers right now, it could be a problem to actually get your hands on one, but, uh, it's, it's definitely worth a look. I've only ever seen one like on the road here, as you're saying. I, I feel like I need to drive by my local Volkswagen dealership, but I've literally seen <laughs> one. 
I um I did a video for Tom's uh, Guide. I think the review's coming out this week for the for the vehicle. But we were at an uh, EA station, and another an, a a person who just bought the ID4. It was her first time charging, while I was at the station. I was like, oh, this is what you need because there's an issue where the the um the if you're trying to authenticate and it doesn't, the um the charge uh pose. I don't <laughs> The cable. There you go. Not cable. Charge hose. I'm like, not hose. <laughs> I'm going to call it a charge hose well, from now on. Charge How hose. Long is the charge hose. It's, flowing. it's a hose through which electrons flow. <laughs> yeah, the electron charge hose. hose. <laughs> the electron hose got, um, wouldn't, she couldn't detach it. And you have to, like, unlock the car. Even if the car's unlocked, you have to unlock oh. it again. So it keeps people from sort of, like, coming up to your car and unlock and pulling the, pulling the, yeah. the, the, um, the, the, the electron hose out of your vehicle. And uh, yeah, so I have, and I've seen more and more of them on the road. I've seen more Mach E's on the road uh, recently um, than I've seen ID4s. But it, yeah, it is sort of you know. But again, I live in the Bay Area, so that's that's you know you got to take that into account because we're all uh, hippies up here. Um, but yeah, I I I really like the ID4. And again, that but that the latency on that infotainment system. And like you said, sometimes it's fine. And sometimes you're just like, oh, I just don't even want to deal with this. <laughs> just like, what is happening? Yeah. Why is this? <laughs> like, you're just like pushing, you're like, oh, forget it. And you're just like plugging your phone. And then I use, you know, CarPlay or whatever. And because I'm just like, all right, I've tested this enough to know that things are not going as well as it should be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny. I, I was talking to my friend Stephanie Brinley about a month or so ago when, when she had it. And. You know, she was she had just gotten it the day before and she was telling me, that, you know, it's like she couldn't there was no start stop button, you know. And when she got out of the car, you know, the, the radio, you know, the audio would keep playing until she until you get up off the seat. You know, it was using the sensor in the seat. When you put it in park and you get out, that's when it turns off the audio system. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't talk to her after that. But a couple of days later, she found the start stop button. And it was the same thing with the- me. Um, you know, a couple of days after I had it, I was, I was looking from the passenger side and I realized that it's actually on the side of the steering column where you'll never see it. So you don't actually have to turn it on and off. You know, when, when you put it in park and you get out, it'll turn everything off. And when you lock the doors, you know, it'll be shut off. Um, but, oh, that's the other thing. When you lock the doors, most cars, when you lock the doors, you know, it gives you a little beep of the horn to let you know that it's responded Nothing, no sound from the ID4. It just, it just locks. There's know, not like a setting the where you can make it beep at you, like somewhere buried. Not that in... I could find. No, okay. It's all. There sh- probably is somewhere in the software, <laughs> but I couldn't find it. Right <laughs> time. Yeah, that uh, that off off uh, on button is great if you're shooting video because I would get up and we would want like the lights on or whatever to like do something while we're shooting yeah. video so you could see the light and you'd get up and you're like, okay, we got to turn on the car and i'm like it's a whole and i was like, trying to explain to the videographer i'm like it's a whole thing <laughs> like usually you get out and the car just turns off he's like well, well how do you i'm like fortunately there's a button here so we can turn this on but yeah if you don't know it's there it's sort of it's very it's it's very it's it's there in the column and it's sort of hidden and it's it's only i guess for i guess for if you're shooting video <laughs> <laughs> i guess Maybe, 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 you know, if things go completely haywire with the software, maybe there's probably some sequence with that that you have to use to reboot the thing, but oh, uh, yeah. something like that. Tap it three times and you do the uh, contra code on the, on the steering wheel, up, up, down, yeah. down, left, right, left, right, <laughs> select, start, yeah. AB, one, one, two, three, <laughs> tap, spin around, there and, you go. And, you know, the, the controls on the steering wheel are interesting, too, because it, it's, 
they're capacitive touch uh, buttons on there, but there's haptic feedback. So it's like using you know an iPhone seven or eight um, with the that has the the home the home button that doesn't actually move, mm-hmm. you know, or or a modern MacBook you know with a touchpad that doesn't actually move. So when you when you click it, it gives you haptic feedback that simulates the that it's clicking but it's not actually moving yeah and it's the same thing with the buttons on the steering wheel on this thing so uh it takes a Did little you, getting used i have to. a question about that did you find you ever hit it by accident i can't remember which vehicle i had that had haptic buttons and it would just feel like i was sort of or i mean that the touch buttons they were you just i'd be turning the wheel i've accidentally swiped my finger and i have now cranked the volume to 12 as i'm trying to turn and now i can't crank it back down because i'm in the middle of turning the car did you find that you didn't Hit them by accident? No. No, because it, it's more like uh, if you've driven a recent Audi with a touchscreen, you know, they have haptic feedback in the touchscreen, so you actually have to press it. So it's not it's not like just tapping on your phone screen Sliding where, you know, it's, it's, it, it's actually looking for a bit of pressure. Got it. So you, you – it, it's kind of more like the the 3D touch okay. on an iPhone. Yeah, because that was my like big Apple complaint Watch. the one time so, I had it. It was just so easy. Like, you you know, you're just driving and you slide your hand down the steering wheel and your fingertips brush against something. You're like, ah, I didn't mean to change anything. Just repositioning my hands, folks. Leave everything alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 So, yeah, that's that's not a problem because, like I said, you do have to give it a little bit of pressure before it actually responds. So. Oh, That's one last good. thing about the the ID four is I do appreciate the the you know it's I think it was the first edition is two hundred fifty miles but I felt like like during regular driving just regular you know not testing it not like doing you know zero to sixty tests or whatever but like regular days when I was just driving it that yeah you could probably get like two sixty out of that thing if you were just sort of like oh yeah cruising around town well, which and, I think I the mean, whole you know, VW I... group is doing I think they're they're sort of underreporting their range. You know, probably for good reason, because the whole reason they're super into EVs right now is because <laughs> of, you know, a little thing we all like to call Dieselgate. But, uh, yeah, I think, you know, I think the the whole VW group sort of push for it. It's 250, but like, you know, sort of like they, they come up and whisper to you, it's really 260. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I got, you know, I did 230, you know, and stopped at the charger. and It was showing 25 miles left on there. And most probably two-thirds to three-quarters of that was actually highway driving because mm-hmm. I had to go to Detroit a couple of times. Uh, so it was, mo- it was majority was highway driving, you know, and that's, you know, that's, you're going to do worse on the highway with an EV because of the, the arrow. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, getting, as, as long as it's not, you know, too hot, you know, and you have to use the air conditioning too much, but even that, you know, I was using the AC and, uh, you know, I think in, in more, in, not you know in ideal conditions you can easily get i think 275 out of it you know if you're not being too aggressive with your driving if it's mostly around town driving i guess that is the one other thing i would complain about a little um you know it the for the the shift you know it's got this big thing on the side of the instrument cluster you know you twist it forward at the top to select drive and twist it you know back um to select reverse uh and push it in to get neutral um, if you push it twice, push it forward twice, uh, you get, you can go from drive to B to braking mode. That's where you get your higher regen, but it, it's not, the regen's not as aggressive as like say on the, the Mustang or, uh, on a Nissan Leaf or, or on a BMW i3 when you're using one pedal driving. So it won't actually bring the car to a complete stop. Um, and I, I've come to really like 
you know, strong regen. Uh, so I, I would prefer an option to have a little bit stronger regen, but it's, you know, it's not, not there right now on this vehicle. Yeah, hopefully, I mean, yeah, I think the one-pedal driving, and it's fun to, I, I will say, tell people this, it is uh, fun to gauge how well one-pedal driving works and how many intersections it takes for you to uh, come to a stop right at the line. And um, I think for all yeah. the vehicles that are out there right now, I think the Polestar 2 does it best. And, I, and I'm saying that because on the first intersection, on the second intersection, I was able to come to a stop right on the line. <laughs> I remember trying that for Excellent. the very first time in the Nissan Leaf. And they're like, yeah, you just this one pedal driving. But, and I'm like, okay. And I stopped like eight feet back. I'm like, boom. Oh, wait, that that was uh, okay. I get how this works. The next intersection, I'm like, ah, must actually break. Okay, this is, I can't figure this out. <laughs> it takes a little, it takes a few It takes a little time. Well, then you get it like, oh, yeah. I get how this works. Yeah. You just got to, you got to, you got to learn that feel for it. Mm-hmm. I, I, I remember the first time I drove a car with strong regen like that was the Mini E, um, the original, like the, the, the pilot program Mini E's that they built back in 2008. And at the LA Auto Show, they, they were doing some drives with it. And, you know, I pulled out of the garage at the LA Convention Center. And the first time I took my foot off the accelerator, it's like, whoa, <laughs> you know, I, wasn't, I wasn't expecting that level of decel with it because uh, it was so <laughs> aggressive. But, you know, with, within a few intersections, you know, I kind of had the feel for it. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, Visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial. Plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code program. All right. Let's do some news. News. Um, news, news, news. So uh, Peugeot, uh, part of the Stellantis group, uh, this week unveiled uh, their new race car that they're going to take to Le Mans uh, next year. Um, it's part of the new Le Mans hyperclar- hypercar class. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a hybrid, like, you know, many of these uh, modern prototypes are. But um, it's, it looks really different from, uh, from most modern prototype race cars. Uh, have, have you had a chance to take a look at the photos of this thing? It, it looks, looks very fancy. It looks fantastic. It looks yeah. like a futuristic car in a video game. Um, when you're playing, you know, some sort of... Like something out of Gran Turismo? Yeah, like the next generation crazy supercar. This is the car, What is up with those taillights? Are they literally just, like, pieces that stick out? Like little wings? They're little stabby bits. They're like little stabby bits. I'm trying to get... I don't think they have a close-up of those. But they're like little stabby bits. No, they don't. They only have a few photos of it. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's kind of... you know, for those that haven't seen it, and we'll include the pictures in the show notes, but it's it's kind of like on current generation Mustangs, um, you know, where they have the the three sort of the the blade three dimensional tail lights, 
but only more so. They're they're much larger and thinner. They really stick out. You know, they look like three three blades on yeah on each side. And I'll be curious to see how well those hold up on the racetrack. You know, when they're fender to fender, you know, racing. <laughs> um, see see how durable those are. But the the really unique thing about this, do you notice anything that appears to be missing from this car compared to modern most modern race cars? A hella large wing. There is no uh, big giant oh, yeah. wing attached to the back. The, Peugeot says, hey, yeah. we figured it out. We don't need a giant wing. We can do we it don't without need no stinking it. stinking wing. We mm. have aerodynamics on our side uh, without a wing. So we'll see but how you know, that works out. But when you look at it, yeah. there's that one thing that's like the totally just head-on angle. And it's funny, the way those little side pieces go that run along the body, it looks like there's a wing when you look from the front. You can totally see how the design worked. Oh, yeah, like yeah. It totally looks like it until you look at the side or the back. Look at those fancy like yeah, engineers it's... with the aerodynamic knowledge and stuff. <laughs> a lot of time in the wind tunnel and doing uh, CFD simulations with this thing. Um, yeah, you know the 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 rules for for the hypercar class. Um, you know, there's some things that they're very specific about. Um, like they they significantly restrict what they call the lift to drag ratio. You know, so how much downforce you can get versus how much. Uh, aerodynamic drag the body has and it's limited to like four to one um and so if you look at the other hypercars so far like the the toyota and the glickenhaus that are out there they they both still have big wings but because these things are designed to run at le mans where they've got these really long straights you know really high speeds um they uh you know they're set up for relatively low drag and i think you know, Peugeot figured out that they could generate enough downforce just from the underbody of this thing that they could get by without a wing. And, uh, you know, we'll see, you know, late this year when they actually start testing it uh, on the track. Um, these are these are this is just a mock up uh, photos of a mock up that they that they've released this week. But uh, I, I hope that they you know, that this thing actually works because I would love to see something so different running in this. And, um, there's going to be some some interesting stuff coming to the hypercar class over the next couple of years. Ferraris joining this class, and um, there's there's some others. Um, and uh, I'm just glad to see somebody doing something creative. And uh, hopefully this one works better than the last really creative uh, Le Mans prototype, which was the the Nissan GTR Nismo back in 2015. I don't know if you if either of you remember that one. Uh, it was a, a pretty airplane? wild looking car. Uh, no, I think that's. I think you're thinking of the uh, the Mercedes CLR oh, from the late yeah. '90s. Yeah, that, that was... uh, they they got airborne a few times and they finally they finally withdrew them from the race. Uh, no, the 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 Nis- the Nissan was this. Um, uh, it was unlike most modern race cars. It was front engine. It was actually front wheel drive, and had a really unique aerodynamic concept. It was meant to be a meant to be a hybrid. But they never got the hybrid system working right, so um, it had really big front tires and really skinny rear tires. It was really hyper optimized for Le Mans, you know, and then the bodywork you know had these channels for the air to flow through, uh, so it would put down you know all the power through the front wheels, and it was supposed to be really low drag, and you know similar to this in terms of generating downforce with the body, uh, but it, the the hybrid system didn't work, and it was a complete disaster at Le Mans. And like three weeks after the race, Nissan pulled the plug on the whole program. And instead of continuing to develop it, they just said, ah, 
forget it. We're done. Wow. And it was ne- wow. has never been seen since. That's a lot of money to, to be like. Oh. So that's a lot of money. To, it must have been so horrifically bad. They're like, we spent a ton of money. Oh no, we'd have to spend a ton more. more done. Yeah. Like, yeah, let's just yeah. a regular car. <laughs> let's make the kicks instead. Well, they Nissan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, here, here's the. Uh, I'll drop uh, drop it in the Slack here so you can see it. It's it's a it's a definitely a unique car got a very different look from any other uh, modern Le Mans prototype. Look at the wing on uh, that thing. All right. But, okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's got a wing. <laughs> it's got a wing, all right. <laughs> all right. Um, back to EVs. Um, Remas, um, the little Croatian startup that has garnered some attention in recent years for some crazy fast um Electric supercars, uh, Matej Rimas, the founder and CEO, uh, they have taken control of Bugatti um, from Volkswagen. They, they basically Volkswagen handed it to him and said, "Here, you take it." Uh, and, you know, cause Bu- we don't want Bo- this. You take yeah. it. I'm not Bo- going to try it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, Bugatti. You know, uh, while they have created uh, some pretty amazing cars over the last 20 years, really only two cars they've, they've only had two main models the, the veyron and the, the chiron the current one um you know it's it's often referred to as uh, ferdinand px folly because uh, he bought the bought the rights to the bugatti name in the late 90s when he was still ceo of volkswagen and you know wanted to build the ultimate car and i think what's a chiron go for now i think base price is something like two yeah. two and a half million yeah. dollars one million dollars uh, times yeah. Two and point five. <laughs> yeah, I think the, the the Veyron. I think over about a nine year production run, I think they built four hundred and fifty of them. I think three hundred coupes and one hundred and fifty convertibles, um, and they're currently doing the Chiron. So they they I guess what they did was they set up a joint venture between Porsche and Remas, um, with Remas owning fifty five percent of the joint venture, and Porsche owns forty five percent. Um, and that joint venture company, they Volkswagen just handed over control, just transferred the shares of Bugatti to this new joint venture. So Remas has control. So it's going to be interesting. What do you, what do you think that Remas might do with Bugatti? I, you know, in the in the press, you know, there were there were interviews, and they were saying, you know, we're not going to just go out and make an electric Bugatti, and we're not going to make, you know, we're, we're still going to have a gas powered Bugatti out, you know coming and we're still going to have uh, uh an ev uh remas but i think in the future you know i think you know they're, they're going to have something interesting i think it's it's a uh, bugatti as part of the volkswagen group was always kind of i mean you understood why it was there but at the same time it was just so uh, i don't know it's it's such a niche uh automaker for for volkswagen to own and they already have a performance brand they already have porsche and so having Bugatti was always just like, hey, by the way, we also and Lamborghini, and Lamborghini, yeah, <laughs> and like, oh, sorry, and Lamborghini, sorry, Lamborghini. Um, <laughs> but you know, they have two performance brands, and one is a supercar maker, and then they have Bugatti, which is making supercars for not just the ultra rich, but the incredibly insane ultra rich. I've been offered a chance to, dr- to drive a Bugatti a few times, and each time it hasn't worked out. But also each time, the idea of driving something that's worth like. 
more than the entire block where I live is worth is insane. <laughs> so <laughs> I can see why, you know, they were, they were sort of shopping it around. And I think there was rumors for a while that Remaster was going to pick them up. And I think this is a better fit um, because it's, it's two brands that are just sort of in two insane brands with like, a, a, you know, a performance brand as like kind of a base in there with, with Porsche. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, it'll be interesting to see what they have in about 10 years. I think it's going to be a while before we see something like Krilly just, just, you know, where they merge both, uh, both, both, uh, companies into one, I don't know, $7 billion car. <laughs> Yeah, because it's not like these are companies that are pumping out like new cars every, you know, we have seven different models in our lineup and it's been three years and it's time for a refresh and three years and time for an all new. There's such a long time frame and so few vehicles, it it has to take a while before we really see them mesh together into one giant, expensive, crazy car. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I guess, I think Bugatti's averaged something like 50 cars a year that they build. Yeah, so it's definitely very small numbers. So, and I think I think they're planning to build about the same number of Chirons that they did Veyrons. So, you know, it's still got quite a few years left in its product cycle. So maybe by the time the Chiron's done, maybe they'll think of something to do with <laughs> with the brand. Something with an on at the end, the Ion, the yeah. Ion. I'm going to call it the next Bugatti. There you be, go. Uh, golden Ion, or the electric Bugatti is going to be called the Ion. There, I'm done. Is that too close to Ionic? No, cause? Nah. I mean, because people could easily get confused between whatever the Bugatti would That's be true. or your typical Hyundai. Yeah, <laughs> you know, somebody, somebody going into it, go, going into going into a Bugatti dealer with the intention of buying an Ionic Five and ends up with a with a an Ion. Yes, surprise. Ooh, yeah, that, <laughs> this is a lot yeah, more than be I four million dollars, please. <laughs> All right, sure, I'll buy it. I thought they said this was forty thousand dollars, not four million dollars. <laughs> Well, you know, dealer markups, man. They're crazy. They're cray-cray. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, last night, uh, as we're recording, I went to uh, Detroit. Um, they BMW held another event like the one you went to in L.A. Uh, a few weeks ago, and they had the uh, the i4 and the iX there. Um, and, um, yeah, there's, that's a, a lot of grill on both of those cars that doesn't do anything. It is a lot of, well, um, they and, said they put think, sensors behind them, but I, you don't need that grill for those sensors. It's not like there's the sensors no. are the size of a, of a, I don't know. I don't know how, what, I don't even know what, how, I don't know, the size of a Nissan Versa. How's that? <laughs> you need sensors the size of a <laughs> Nissan Versa. That's how big the grills are. <laughs> the size of an entire Versa. Yeah. 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 Um, but I think you know, the thing, the thing that surprised me more when I realized, and I hadn't, I hadn't realized this before when I was reading about it, both of these cars have, you know, proportions not altogether different from other BMWs, which means, you know, they have a fairly long hood, you know, the, the cabin is set back, you know, and it's got that kind of sport, sporty vehicle proportion to them. Um, but neither of them has a front trunk, despite having a really long hood. And, in fact, on the... On the iX, uh, turns out you can't even open the hood. If it's not, there is no, there is no um, release for the hood. Is there the even like? Does it look the like hood there's a hood for for the dealer to do it? So oh yeah, can't... yeah. There's a cut line there and everything. So huh. there is a hood, 
but the the owner cannot open it. You have to take it to a dealer. You know, so basically, it's just for service access to stuff and you know to the motor, the front motor, and the, so they don't the want you to ever touch it. Like, do not touch this. We have sealed it. You may not go in here. Out. Well, it's like yeah. the I eight. You couldn't open the I eight either. On the I eight, but it's fun. That's true. But you, I mean, that was also that was a much shorter front end. That's true. On the iX, when you want to put a washer, washer fluid in, the uh, the logo, the BMW logo, like pops yeah. up. Yeah. And you pour it in there. Someone's gonna try yeah. to put gas There's in little, there. Someone. There's gonna be a story. Oh. Someone's gonna <laughs> totally. borrow their friend's iX. They can't figure out where to put gas, and they're gonna put it in that thing, and then the windshield's gonna catch fire. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, and. But uh, aside from the grill, I think the i4 actually looks really good. I'm not crazy about the iX. I think it's a little weird looking. But the i4 looks good. <laughs> so the profile of the i4 is really nice. As long as you, yeah, as long as you approach it from the back or the side, I think it's yeah. it's great. Like you know, ooh, just don't this just don't ever walk up to it from the front. <laughs> and they don't need and you know the, they just un, uh, unveiled the new uh two series without a manual transmission boo but the uh, grill on the front of that yeah. thing is really small like i was like okay they're bmw will not back down on the grill but for some reason on the two series they're like ah we don't need a big grill on this car maybe because it would have eaten the yeah. whole car who knows <laughs> it would just be a grill yeah. no it windshield is, it, it goes the, right up in the windshield you can only see through from one direction because it's grilled it goes all the way up yeah <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> just r- fold it right into the hood you know, right right, right over the middle. top goes back yeah. down around the back of the car you can call them diffusers once they hit the back of the car oh it's diffusers what's that the, the yeah. extension of the grill now nah, they're diffusers once they once they get over the the the, um, the seat <laughs> once pillar. they cross the midpoint <laughs> yeah once you hit the v-pillar it's a diffuser is that how <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got one one final uh, EV item today, um, and that's uh, this morning. Stellantis held their EV day that they had been promising for a while, and um, released some more information. Um, either of you uh, have a chance to to look at what they talked about? I'm looking now. I am reading through the giant press <laughs> release. Um, yeah, I think, yeah. you know, it, it, it's fun because, uh, I, I like the direction Stellantis and, you know, is going because of all the automakers, I think, uh, FCA, um, has never encountered an admission standard that I didn't hate. Um, <laughs> you know, it, they were just yeah. like, no, we're putting big giant engines. They're like, oh, we're going to have these emissions. No, these are horrible. And, you know, even the Fiat 500E, I mean, they were losing a lot of money on that. They were losing, like, I think. They're saying they like fourteen thousand dollars, but that was the best Fiat, the five hundred E. And they were telling you, yeah. the, the CEO actually said, "Don't buy this car, please. Do not buy this car because I'm losing money." And I'm sure he probably said it with an Italian accent. And I'm not going to try that because that seems uh, offensive. But uh, yeah, I like the idea that the Stellantis, which you know, Fiat Peugeot had a, got married and came up with uh, uh, the name that you would find in uh, Greek mythology. Um, they, uh, yeah, they're, they're coming. Or, or, or on a pharmaceutical ad. Ooh, the I'm sorry, it just sounds like a drug. I'm sorry. No matter how much I try yeah. to get by it, I can't. Stellantis may cause diarrhea. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> yeah. Check to see if Stellantis is right for you. Don't use Stellantis if you're on it. <laughs> It, See, it? it's so easy for us it to is. riff on this, you know. Oh, okay. Now, okay. Now I can't. Now I can't get away from it. But you know, they, they, outside of the 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 name, um, Stellantis. 
Uh, you know, they have four platforms that are coming up. One of them is a, a frame platform, so you can do body on frames, which means you can get a truck where you can swap out the bed for, you know, whatever weird thing you want to put back there, um, which which is uh, sort of exciting for the trucking industry. They have a, you know, a Ram 1500 coming. They, they got a lot of news coming out, and they're spending a ton of money before 2025. Um, I, 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 for one, yeah, like 30, $36 billion. That's a yeah, lot yeah, of cash. a lot of, that's a lot. That's, that's like four Veyrons. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, they, they, you know, it's, it's, they do have a bunch of really weird, um, like sort of catchphrases for each brand but okay i was waiting for that because (laughs) first of all they have 14 brands now which i don't think i'd ever counted 14 brands in the company and they've got 14 different electrified taglines and some of these are okay and some of these are a little bit weird i like the jeep one zero emission freedom that's kind of cool with their whole yeah Yeah, i mean that 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 fits with jeep i feel like that works for jeep um and, but and dodge, just... tear up the streets, not the planet. Woo! Take that streets. Of course. Uh... <laughs> yeah. But then it gets really weird. Like a bar then... was heat- heating up people, not the planet. I don't get that. Is it like they they now what? I'm. Well, they're I like cooking. The Chrysler. They're Chrysler's cooking good, people. Though. Yeah, cooking. Chrysler's good. Clean technology for a new generation of for, of families. Okay, Chrysler. I'll go All with right. that one. I like the Chrysler. I like the Jeep. Uh, What's Fiat? It's only green when it's green for all. What? What? I don't even know what that what that means. What does that mean? Does I everyone mean, get a free Fiat that so that we're all green? I don't. Does everyone I, want well, a free Fiat? I don't think so. I don't. I, mean, I don't fi- understand. Fi- you know, fi- Fiat's going to be all electric. I mean, that's that's all we know. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. There's there's some yeah, and Maserati is pretty lame. The best the best in performance luxury electrified. Electri- what is the Alfa Romeo thing? Did they elaborate on that? From 2024, Alfa no, becomes they, Alfa e Romeo. Yeah, they, they only talked about six of the brands in any with any specifics. Uh, Alfa wasn't one of them. Neither was Maserati. They, they're going to be talking more about them later. Um, but, you know, for, for the U.S., you know, they, they did talk about um, Dodge, uh, Ram, and Jeep. Uh, so Dodge is finally going to get a new car in 2024. What? Um, And and Tim Kaniskas, who's the head of the Dodge brand, uh, you know, said, uh, you know, Dodge is not going to sell electric cars. It's selling electric e-muscle. So they're they're sticking with the muscle car theme, but but they're going to use, you know, electricity to get you there. And so they're they're launching an electric muscle car in 2024, and they gave you know a vague glimpse of something that may or may not be you know that car. Um, I think one of the interesting details on there. Did you did you happen to notice the logo on that car in the in the center of the grill? This little sort of triangle type no. logo. It's it's actually it's the Dodge logo from that was introduced in 1955 and it was used through the 1960s and into the early 70s. Um, and you know hasn't hasn't been seen for a long time. It's interesting that they're kind of going back to that logo. Um, so there's there's going to be we don't know if it's going to be a replacement for the Charger or the Challenger or both um, or what you know what else they're going to do. Just that there's going to be at least you know the first their first EV is coming in three years and it's going to be an electric muscle car. 
And they, you know, during the, the section of the presentation where they talked about technology, you know, they talked about the, the Stella large platform, which is what Dodge is going to use, will be capable of up to zero, zero to 60 in as little as two seconds. So they're clearly going after uh, after Tesla. I guess they're, they're tired of Challenger demons being blown away at the drag strip by Model S plaids, I guess. But would you um, rather have a Challenger demon or a Model S plaid? Which would you rather have, regardless of what it does at the track? Oh man, that's a tough one. <laughs> you mean a current a current demon current or right now, like a future electric demon? A current demon. Oh, I would. Uh, you know, I. Oh God, that's it hard. Depends because I, I don't yeah, want if, either. Really, if it's something I have to. <laughs> you don't want. No, yeah. you have to pick it, one, Robbie. I know. I know. I'm gonna it, say. If it's something I have to drive every day, I'd gonna, probably go for the Tesla. Yeah, um, if I can, and, and then yeah, I would get an I don't aftermarket think... steering wheel. Like, I, yeah, if I just need to get an aftermarket steering <laughs> yeah, wheel. Yeah, a real steering wheel. Yeah, I'll go with the Tesla. But you'd have to change the steering yeah. wheel. Well, if you can't rip it apart, you have to drive it just like it comes from the OEM. Oh, man. Oh, then it's got to be the Demon. Yeah. I, I can't yeah, deal I, with that steering wheel. It's, 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 it's safe. It's unsafe. It's a, In it's case a anyone issue. thinks the interiors of cars don't matter, these guys just pick their car like, no, steering wheel sucks. I'm out. And that's, that's the deciding <laughs> factor. <laughs> it's not even just sucks. It's unsafe. It's the, like, yeah. the opposite. of. It's more than just it sucks. It's, it's bad. Okay. Anyway. Thank you. Yeah, there yeah. we go. Uh, so, Robbie, you were talking about the um, – uh, the, the body on frame, the Stella frame platform, uh, and that's going to be um, the basis for the Ram 1500 electric, which is coming in 2024, which is obviously later than the light the F-150 Lightning or the Silverado electric. Uh, but they talked about, you know, yeah, our competitors are going to be there first with an electric truck, but we're going to be the best. And they talked about a range of up to 500 miles. You know, a big thing they talked about was, you know, focusing on efficiency, you know, getting the, the most miles per kilowatt hour out of their out of their EVs. So we'll see if they can actually achieve that and if, if they can come up with something better than what their their competitors are doing with electric trucks. What did um, they say, like 4.2 uh, kilowatt? 4.2 uh, miles per kilowatt hour? Something, something uh, yeah, I think so. I think that was the target. Which is, yeah, which is like uh, Tesla and I think Hyundai is like 4.1 right now or 4.0. So 4. something, anything above 4 is pretty is good. Efficiency yeah. numbers are, are well, Especially, you know, if in, a, in something as big as a full-size truck. You know, yeah, that's, that's, in, that's where you're, you know, it's tough to get that kind of efficiency. Yeah. <clears throat> and then uh, Jeep, um, you know, Jeep, uh, as you well know, um, you know, uh, Nicole's husband just got his uh, Jeep Wrangler 4xe, the first plug-in Jeep in North America. Um, by 2025, there are going to be battery electric versions of of, for, of Jeeps in every product segment. So from the, the Renegade up to the uh, Wagoneer, there will be electric Jeeps. Um, so be interesting to see what they come up with there you know see how they how they do those i wonder if they'll keep the name magneto or if they're afraid that marvel's going to sue them for the wrangler because they have the rank the magneto concept oh oh that concept yeah yeah. um they'll probably just say keep it wrangler and maybe you never know just probably the wrangler e e by e i don't know (laughs) It depends what, uh, depends what, you know, what I haven't looked at what uh, Marvel's actual trademark is. You know, it may only be for cartoon characters, you know, because Magneto's existed long before 
Marvel Comics. I don't think Marvel owns it because I just randomly Googled Magneto and there's very many other things with that name in it. So you would think they would have found uh, okay. out that if yeah. they owned the name. If they had the IP, so. just but they had the IP specifically for a fictional character as opposed to a fictional concept car. So, all right. Right. Totally yeah. two different fictional <laughs> things. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, any other thoughts on Stellantis and what they're doing? I think it's kind of cool. I'm happy to see them moving more yeah. EV and having a solid plan for it. I think that the idea that yeah. it has to be a race at this point to be first in EVs. Well, everyone lost that race. Tesla won that race. I mean, we, and, and I think we're now we were just sort of settling into everyone like catching up with Tesla, but everyone's catching up at different areas. You know, people don't. You know, if you if you have a car that's EV this year, um, you know, you might you might get some new buyers, but people don't buy a new car every year. There's going to be people in two years who need a new car, and three years, and five years, and whatever who are sort of transitioning out of either gas vehicles or hybrid vehicles into an, an EV. So you, you got some time, but not a lot, you know, you, you still want to get as many people as possible. Yeah, I don't think it's a race to like, we have this, you don't, everybody has it. So it's really more a race to who's going to deliver one that for whatever reason is just better features, better drive, better range, faster charging, whatever. Be- those things start to matter because just like, yeah. I have one you don't, doesn't work anymore. Like we all have one. Yeah. Everybody yeah. has one, so you got. Well, and, and Stellantis already doing. has a bunch of. Yeah, Stellantis already has a bunch of EVs in Europe. Yeah. Uh, under their, you know, under the previous PSA brands, Peugeot, Citroen, DS, and Opel and Vauxhall, um, and they're in in Europe through the first half of this year. Stellantis is actually number two in EV sales behind Volkswagen Group. Volkswagen Group is number one. Stellantis is number two. Tesla is number five. So Stellantis actually sells more EVs in Europe than, than Tesla does by a wow. pretty wide margin. They're, well, they're just not they're, they're not vehicles that we can buy here, and they're not they're not the type of vehicles that most Americans are interested in, like the E two hundred eight, you know, compact. Well, and hatchback, wasn't the, like even that. here wasn't the and correct me if I've used seen wrong, but I thought that the the Jeep the Wrangler was like the best selling plug in hybrid in the last month or some such. It just hit some cool landmark number for June. Yeah. I yeah, think it was the best-selling plug-in. It was either the best-selling. Yeah, be yeah, I think it was the best-selling plug-in hybrid. I, I heard somebody saying that you know they're getting like a twenty percent take rate on the 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 four by e for the Wrangler right now. So like twenty percent of all the orders for Wranglers are for the plug-in hybrid, yeah. uh, wow. which is pretty impressive. I mean, it's a good car. It's a good Jeep. It's a I Jeep. I think so. Can, yeah, yeah. It's good enough for the 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 Nicole family. It's good enough for the Nicole family. My husband there has had go. it for exactly 48 hours, and he loves it. So there you go. Done. That's, that's all. Let me. Is he actually plugging it in? Yeah. Well, the funny thing is, we were there was some confusion about when it was going to arrive because we ordered this because we didn't have what we wanted, and it was like it's not here, it's not here, it's not here, it's here. And my husband has not installed a level two charger in the house yet, so he's just plugging <laughs> it in the old fashioned way. So he charges it overnight but literally has to charge it overnight because it's essentially trickle charging but yeah. um yeah, yeah but he and he went he like drove to work and got to work on almost using like he wasn't quite there and he knew he was gonna run out of you know electric power so he just stopped at the mall got himself a coffee charged for a little bit got back in the car finished driving <laughs> to work he was all he's like playing with this if ever there was evidence that like when you get one suddenly getting that electric range matters, it's the last 48 hours of my husband playing with this car. Like I got this many miles <laughs> and I got, I've only used this much gas and yeah. So 
but he does. He plugs well, it in. The, the other day on Twitter, I saw somebody posted um, that a neighbor just got a 4xE, a Wrangler 4xE, and we went over to talk to him, and his neighbor didn't even know that it was a plug-in hybrid. He wasn't even aware of what it was. He just he just wanted a Wrangler, and that was that was what was available. And he bought it, you know, not even think, not even realizing it was a plug-in hybrid. And so he asked him, you know, so you're going to plug it in? He said, Nah, you know, not even going to bother. It's like, why? Why wouldn't you? <laughs> why, I mean, like, I mean, if you got it, you might as well plug it in. Right. If you have uh, it, like, yeah, it why like not use that? That seems kind of weird. Well, it's yeah. also a guy who bought a car that he didn't know was a plug-in hybrid, yeah, so I have a lot of questions probably. there. <laughs> Maybe he's not a good. No. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. All right. Let's answer a few listener questions and wrap it up. Um, okay. So first one uh, from Surtur. Uh, I like the Maverick with the hybrid powertrain, but will I like the CVT? Are there good CVTs? Hmm. Define good. <laughs> That's what I was. What What's good? If it, it they, they're all CVTs are uh, CVTs. They're inherently yeah. not uh, great. They're. <laughs> Well, there are some, some are that are not, better than others. Some some, some of the great. Nissans are okay. Yeah. Yeah, but they're they're yeah you know, some of the Nissans that are programmed to behave more like conventional transmissions, you know, are they're they're okay, you know, because they don't really feel like CVTs, you know. Yeah. But um, you know, most of them are not particularly. Is there really there isn't one? I don't think I can think of one. I'm like, wow, that is a great CVT. Bring it. That's fantastic. I can only think of CVTs that are less disappointing than others like oh that one's not so bad yeah that one's actually okay that one that one i don't mind i've never walked away and been like wow you know they did they're it. just like they cracked the cvt code yeah i've Have never it. thought yeah. that in anyone i've ever driven it's always just like well that was okay. not as bad as it could have been <laughs> yeah i've been racking my brains and seeing this this question this morning like of a like what's a good cvt and i'm just like Ooh. yeah crickets you can't think of one is there really i a mean good maybe one? maybe ford will i mean ford's been doing some pretty great things recently maybe they'll they'll crack the code i mean that's true we're looking like is there one right the second none of us have driven the maverick nobody knows what the cvt is going to be like maybe all three of us will get in and come out and go oh my gosh they did they it did it they did it they have the perfect cvt i not well, hoping, okay. Set, not... set aside the question of CVT for a minute. I mean, you've both driven Ford hybrid vehicles, probably you know hybrid Escape and Fusions and stuff like that over the years. What did you think of driving those vehicles? Yeah, that that's what I thought about. Right? <laughs> that that's that. that I think if up. they can, if they can. But were were they offensive? They weren't offensive. They just no. They're not horrible. Like really, ugh. a few years ago, like CVTs were just all pretty horrible and they're collectively all getting less horrible like they're a little bit better and a little bit better but i i don't feel like any of them i just give me an automatic transmission so far i just don't feel like the cvts have the they never bring the same give you the same drive experience that an automatic is you can tell the difference until you can't tell the difference yeah, like I you think, can't feel it, you can't hear yeah. it, then they're not going to be good. I think Ford has a potential here because it is a if it is a hybrid that you can program it in a way that the hybrid um, powertrain kicks in, and that sort of gives you that low end uh, torque that you get from an automatic transmission or a manual transmission that CVTs sometimes sort of drop the ball on. And if they can 
figure out how to make it not sound like the engine's going to explode because I... That's <laughs> the problem. Uh, they all sound like... That's exactly... The, I always feel like it sounds like cylinders are just going to go shooting through the hood of your car. Like things are going wrong yeah. underneath there. It just... It I sounds terrible. I think the hybrid uh, powertrain is probably the best use of a CVT if you can figure out how to match them up in a way that recreates an automatic transmission feel. I don't think I, I don't know if you can yeah, do and it I with, think with a generally with a Ford. Engine. Yeah, generally the Ford, you know, the front wheel drive Ford hybrids, um, you know, feel more like that. You know, that using the electric motor to to fill that low end torque hole. You know, so it doesn't have to do as much of that motorboating effect as as you would with just a, a regular gas engine and a CVT. So it's not, you know, revving up to 4,500 RPM and sitting there while you accelerate. You know, it's it's using the electric motor for more of that, you know, to keep, keep the engine running at a lower speed. Um, and so it, it's, I think it's less offensive than, than, than <laughs> most, you know. And gas and just straight gas engines with a CVT because and it's a different kind. It's not the same as most CVTs. Most CVTs are, you know, it's a it's a steel belt between a pair of pulleys that you know the the pulleys themselves, the two halves of the pulley split apart and move together, um, you know, op, the opposite, you know, to change the ratio. So one one splits apart, the other moves together, um, so it changes the, the the drive ratio. This you know on hybrids like this, it's a completely different mechanism it's actually using planetary gears and you know one of the two motors in the hybrid drive system is actually acting as a variable ground for the planetary gear and we, we don't need to get in all the details but it, it works in a very different way from most cvts mm -hmm. um and i think you know if if you want to if you want an idea of what it's likely to feel like you know if you can find you know an escape or a fusion or a c-max hybrid you know, from the last few years, uh, you know, and drive one of those, it's probably going to feel pretty much like that. Um, so if, if you don't mind the way those feel, that's probably what this is going to drive like because it's the same basic architecture. I like to think that they'll be better, but, um, you know, fingers crossed that it's better than that um, just because I think Ford is, again, Ford's been doing some pretty good stuff recently. Um, and, I, and, and I believe in their likelihood that it might be better. Yeah. Okay, I would, I would, I would agree with that ringing endorsement, Robbie. A ringing endorsement that it would be, it would be cool if it was cooler. <laughs> it would be cool if it was cooler. Be cool if that could be. Come cooler. on, man, be cool, be f cool, cool, Ford. We'll reach out to our Ford peeps and, and right, get right on it. <laughs> Next one is uh, from Dutch Mandel, who was a uh, longtime former editor, I think, or at least managing editor at Auto Week. Um, he asked, uh, what's the likelihood of implementing a single plug standard for EV charging units and vehicles? How can that happen? What companies, institutions leading the, are leading the charge? <laughs> leading the charge, but a bump. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so, the, so he's asking, so, I mean, we have the, Right now, with the DC fast charge, essentially that standard where it has the level two and level three has the two little plugs underneath. I think that's is that what we're talking about, like that or? Well, I, I think I think he's talking about you know I'm I'm assuming it's more along the lines of you know you've got the mm -hmm. Tesla connector, you've got Chatamo, and you've got CCS. Yeah, you know, and CCS is you know you've got 
it's basically the 1772 yeah. with the two extra pins. I feel like CCS um, is is the standard and probably going to, I would think, stay the standard. Even Nissan has sort of decided, okay, we got to put CCS on our vehicles in addition to Chatamo because you could only get a leaf with Chatamo forever, and then you had to go find a Chatamo uh, station. And there are they they mean EA has Chatamo you know plugs at their stations for for those folks, but I think CCS is probably going to stay the standard and be the standard. Um, and Tesla is an outlier because Tesla is Tesla. And, you know, even Tesla has to, like, deal with, you know, CCS in Europe. So. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, here in the U.S., the only the only two brands that have ever used Chatamo are Nissan and Mitsubishi for their plug-in hybrids. Um, and both of those are going away. You know, the, the Leaf is probably still going to be Chatamo until the current generation is replaced. But the new Aria that's coming out, uh, that's using CCS. So, you know, basically, you know, aside from Tesla, it's going to be CCS across the board. Um, you know, in Europe, they <clears throat> regulators actually mandated a standard connector. Um, it, you know, they said everybody's going to use CCS. I mean, it's it's a slightly different variant of CCS than we have here because it's, it has to support three-phase AC instead of the, two, the single phase like we use here. But it's it uses the same communication standards. And it's not like very many people drive between the U.S. and Europe. So, you know, a car that's in Europe is likely to stay there. Stay there, probably. Um, probably. Yeah. So in Europe, it's it's standardized because regulators said this is the standard. Um, I don't think that's going to happen here. I mean, here, you know, most of the industry agreed on CCS, you know, except for Nissan. Um, you know, and, and they're they're jumping on board now. Um Unless you know some some regulator comes forth and says everything's got to be CCS, you're probably not going to see that happen here. I don't think. Unless, maybe at some point, you know, uh, Tesla will just give up and you know adopt CCS. But I wouldn't hold my breath as long as as long as Elon's still breathing. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't see them opening up to to other. Uh, you know, I, I wrote an article a couple of years ago where you know how much Tesla, money Tesla could make if they opened up their, their charging stations to other autos, the other automobiles and, and supported CCS because you could come into, you know, a, a Tesla, essentially a showroom every time you needed to charge along the Tesla supercharging network if they had like a Model 3 and you showed up in, the, in a Chevy Bolt. But, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of, you know, I talked to Tesla about it and it, it, it really just comes down to the software. The hardware will support it as long as you put a CCS uh, adapter on there. Um, and it's down to the software. So Tesla has to support the software for the vehicle. The vehicle has to support the software to Tesla, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, and they said, oh, we'll let anyone charge on our network. But they haven't really done anything to make that a reality because they want everyone to be using Tesla's thing. And that's that the, the, the that happening has long since passed. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the CCS standard was developed, you know, through an SAE standards committee. So, you know, a bunch of automakers and suppliers all participated in that process developing that standard so that's you know that's that's why everybody everybody that participated in that is using that yeah. all right last question uh, somebody named rebecca drives i, I don't know uh. who she is um but uh said uh, she just rented a car for the first time in a while <laughs> it's a it's a nissan rogue sport uh, it has uh, lane departure warning, blind spot monitoring, and emergency braking, but no push-button start or remote locks. 
basic infotainment. Uh, is that uh, the best strategy for rental cars? Keep it stripped or a chance to show tech and features? I always think rental uh, cars would be a it, great way to show new stuff, but I think the problem is that people aren't looking to play with a rental car when they're, you know, you're getting the car because you want to take it for a drive to get you someplace, generally speaking, shorter distances. You know, you go someplace and you need to rent a car to drive around town or I don't, I don't know how much people would play to see all the features that, are, you know, if you've got a really fully featured infotainment system, are you really going to look at all those things as you're just driving around visiting grandma for the weekend, you know? I think rental cars just yeah. default should have CarPlay or Android Auto support. And, and they then, don't. And yeah. yeah, that's just that's all I want because I have everything I need on my phone and going in and being like, okay, is this something where I can talk to it? Oh wait, I have to talk to a script. Oh, I have to do this. Oh, I have to pull over and push the buttons. And I just want, I just want to be able to plug in my phone. I think drivability and the interior, how nice the interior is. I think that's where you can really sort of like, hey, look how nice yes. the interior the new Nissan Rogue is, or how nice it drives. I think that's where you can sort of shine as an automaker. Interior, yeah, the interior would be huge because we're normally driving, when we get press cars, we're generally driving higher trims. They're not giving us the base model of any kind of press car. So we're getting pretty nicely equipped cars. Very rarely. Interiors, yeah. all the fancy, right? And the few times that I've had to rent a car, they feel like they could be really brand new. Like no one's really driven it. They're they're in great shape. But it's just like, good Lord, when you look at the base trim, it does nothing to sell the car that I'm driving. Where if you had the leather seats, that might convince somebody that, hey, this is actually an all right kind of car. Like I, I do think they miss out on the opportunity to show what they can do when the only cars they've got are these base models that just don't look as nice inside. I, I, you yeah. know, people buy them, obviously, but that's not a great way to sell a car. Yeah. Well, I think the problem is, you know, people, you know, that are going on a vacation trip, you know, taking, you know, taking the family to Disney World or somewhere, you know, whatever, going on a trip, they're going to rent a car. They go on Travelocity or Expedia or wherever and, you know, book their flights, you know, book a rental car. It's like, okay, I need a uh, compact crossover. You know, what's the cheapest one I can get? Oh, Avis has, has this Rogue Sport for, you know, 120 bucks a day or you know what whatever the, the whatever that they, they go for the cheapest one of the type that they you know the class that they need and so if consumers want the cheapest possible rental car the rental car companies aren't going to buy the high trim levels and rent them at those cheap rates they're going to buy the, the the stripped base models yeah. And, you know, occasionally, you know, they will have higher trim levels, but they come at a much higher price point, And most people aren't renting those cars. They're, but you'd wonder if, the I, if they somehow did it, if an automaker said, OK, look, we're going to give you these instead of the stripped down base model. We'll give you this slightly better than that model. We'll give it to you at a price that you can still make it, uh, you know, it's you can still have the top trim and rent it out for more. But here's a middle instead of a bottom trim. Let's put that in your fleet. We'll give it to you at a cost that makes it worthwhile for you as if it was a, a base trim. That would would that benefit the automaker that now they're, you know, if the if they're still able to rent those on the cheap because they would it sell cars? Or just make the base level better. How about that? That works too. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I think I think that, that is that is happening. You know, I mean we talked about earlier, you know, about the the Taos and, you know, some of the other you know, entry level crossovers, you know, manufacturers are starting to put more and more of these features, you know, the, especially the driver assist stuff. But, you know, even things like, you know, a touchscreen with 
CarPlay and Android Auto support, you know, as standard equipment, you know, it might be a smaller touchscreen, might be a seven-inch instead of an eight or nine or ten-inch screen, but they're putting putting that as standard. Like the you know the Taos is an example. The base Taos comes with a seven-inch screen. The upper level, upper trim levels gets an eight-inch or or maybe it was the Civic I was looking at. You know, um, but you know they have standard driver assist. They have standard touchscreen with CarPlay and Android Auto. I mean, all the Hyundai's and Kias, you know, the the base models now all have that. Yeah. You know, um, Hondas have that on all their all their models. So I think you know, as manufacturers move to making that kind of equipment standard, some of those cars are going to filter into the um, into the rental fleets. You know, it's only you know Nissan. You know, Nissan has sold a lot of cars into rental fleets over the last five seven years, mm-hmm. and you know they have continued to offer you know models that like the Rogue Sport, you know, base Rogue Sport that are missing some of these features. But I think, you know, the, the current generation Rogue Sport, you know, that's probably going to get replaced next year because they just launched a new one in, in Europe. Um, you know, you can get the Rogue Sport with push-button start and with, you know, the you know, nicer infotainment and everything. I think we'll see that in the next generation. I think they, the, the next generation, they won't have a key. You know, it'll, it'll, and it'll have a touchscreen. So hopefully that problem will get better. All right, I think that's all we got for this week. Uh, any final thoughts? No. Nope. None. Not, not a, a not zip. a one. No thoughts all right. at Nothing. all. I'm devoid of thought. <laughs> <laughs> then we will talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.